Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. What up, what up? Good morning. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to episode 133 of the FIGHT podcast. I am your host, Serge Vicente, and happy Monday, everybody. Happy Monday. It's a beautiful morning here, bright and early in uh, Chicago. Sun is barely up. I'm over here just like the uh, Puerto Rican I am, enjoying a nice hot cup of Bustelo, so some nice coffee and whatnot. But, uh, bruh, what a weekend, man. What a fight weekend. Um, where to begin, man? It was a lot that happened. Um, first and foremost, man, I want to thank Brandon Camille for uh, popping up and, and doing an amazing episode this weekend. Uh, if you haven't had an opportunity already, make sure to check that out. That's episode 132. Also, if you hadn't had an opportunity to check it out, uh, check out my appearance, my last appearance on the sports feed that's wgl tv check us out there also it is on the website the link is also in my bio so check that out when you have an opportunity uh man great weekend of fights uh the entire narrative um and a lot has shifted in the world of mma especially in the ufc um from this past weekend man we had the, the the honestly it looks like the goat now man the heavyweight goat Stipe Miocic has retained his heavyweight championship belt after finishing Daniel Cormier with uh, four minutes in nine seconds of the very fourth round man so uh we're gonna go ahead and talk about that break that down a little bit um we're also gonna talk about the return of nick dare should i say no man i wish it was nick diaz nate diaz uh nate diaz came back and uh he is saying he has the belt for the baddest motherfucker in the world belt and he uh just defended that against anthony pettis and we'll talk about who he called out uh, along with the rest of the card and some uh, MMA news from around the world, man. So uh, without further ado, remember the Fire Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for that off of your first three months. Um, check out the website, www.sageeatschicago.com. Also, share Tell everybody about the podcast. We are everywhere podcasts are available. Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Let them know, let them know. Also, check out the website, thefightpodcast.com. We have more news, um, blog posts, all kind of stuff that we're working on getting over there for you guys. So check it out when you have an opportunity. All right. 
Let's just go ahead and jump into it, man. Uh, UFC 241 was this past weekend. It was headlined by Daniel Cormier, in my opinion, one of the individuals who was on the Rushmore of MMA. And for anybody who thinks otherwise, come on, let's really think about it. Yes, Stipe won uh, this weekend, but the only individual Daniel Cormier has officially lost to in his career is the heavyweight GOAT. And the light heavyweight goat. So, if anybody else is on the Mount Rushmore, yo, he's pretty damn close. And let's go ahead and get into the fight itself. Yes, uh, Stipe won fourth round TKO. He ends up finishing Daniel Cormier via punches um, and stoppages. Um, fourth round, uh, man, a lot of change. So, let's go ahead and talk about the beginning of the fight. Yo, at the time of the stoppage, I had Daniel Cormier winning three rounds to nothing. You hear me? I'm going to say it one more time. I had Daniel Cormier winning the fight three rounds to nothing, and the fight truly was going the way that I anticipated, barring a couple mishaps, I'll say. Um, again, we look at the fight, and I'm just going to go ahead and pull up the numbers. Daniel Cormier, at the time of the stoppage, was winning in every statistical category. He was landing, get this, at 68%. Landed a takedown. He had far more control. And he had well more significant strikes. Um, what happened? What, what, what ended up going off the rails? Well, a couple different things. First round, Daniel Cormier went out there and did exactly what he was supposed to do. Showed that he had faster hands, which he did. Showed that he was stronger and a better wrestler, which he was. And that's exactly what he did. He went out there. He really controlled the pace of the fight early. Was in Stipe's face, was walking him down. And then even in the first round, man, picked Stipe up over his head like he's done so many times in, in, at heavyweight. Held this dude had a huge slam, controlled him for the majority of the round, literally was on top for the last two and a half minutes of the very first round. You could have arguably gave him a 10-8 round in that first round. Second round was more of the same. Second round, Daniel Cormier was just walking Stipe down. Um, damn near disrespectful when you really think about it. And this is what I just didn't understand. And we saw it really come to fruition in that second round. Yo, DC, what's up? I love Daniel Cormier. But, and one thing that I love about him, not only is his skill set, not only is his personality inside and outside of the cage, but it's it's his ring IQ. And Daniel has always, at least to me, shown that he has an extremely high ring IQ. Sometimes he has a brain fart, and this past weekend was one of them. I don't get it. All of a sudden, he starts walking in front of Stipe, who, my dad, is 6'4", 230 plus, and he's just allowing Stipe to crack him, hit him with the biggest shots, and Daniel is just eating him like all the damn Popeyes and cookies as he wants. He's just taking these shots, walking Stipe down, and it seems as if, at least at that point in time in the fight, Stipe had no answers for it. Again, second round, 1,000%, I give it to Daniel Cormier again. Third round comes up, more of the same. But for once, you can kind of see Stipe starting to get his timing down. Stipe started to cook a little bit, but still, 
Daniel did the majority of the damage. He had Stipe on his back foot and was landing by far the bigger shots. Yo, he was rocking Stipe. Stipe was staggering back and forth. And there was plenty of moments throughout the fight in which I thoroughly believed that Daniel Cormier was actually going to finish the fight. I don't think I was the only one who felt that way, man. So um, in the fourth round, I was calling for and I was hoping that there was a lot more movement, right? I was hoping that there was a lot more wrestling. Just because you can start seeing Stipe get off a little bit, man. Uh, So the fourth round starts up, and Stipe makes an amazing adjustment. And this is where Stipe, I want to give all the praises and all the credit to Stipe, because Stipe Miocic went out there and showed why he is the heavyweight GOAT. He went out there, made the adjustment, and started landing a beautiful left hook to the body. Boom! And digging it in every time. You can start seeing that every time he actually landed that punch, it bothered Daniel. And if you go back and think about Daniel Cormier's career, we've rarely seen him get hurt to the head. But UFC 200, he took a short notice fight against Anderson Silva. Only time Anderson Silva, who pretty much got ragged all that entire fight, the only time he showed a little bit of success is when he caught Daniel Cormier with a front kick to the body. That is something that Stipe didn't even say that his corner was asking for. That's something that he saw and felt in the moment. Went ahead and dropped the left hand down there. It started having Daniel drop his hands even more, starting protecting that side. And then... Daniel got clipped with a shot that he did not see coming. Right over the top, uh, Stipe takes a step out, throws a huge right hand, rocks Daniel Cormier, ends up finishing him up, hitting him with a couple more shots, staggering him against the cage. Daniel was never really out, but it was a very, very good stoppage by the referee. Um, Stipe does a little jig in the middle of the ring. He's happy, man. He gets his ring, his, uh, his, 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 his belt back. And all congrats to Stipe, man. This was a big deal. This was a big deal. And I don't want to sound like I am being just negative and talking about what Daniel did. And I'm not going to lie to you. There are very few times in which I am hurt by a decision. This was one of those times. Um, I'm somebody who, honestly, I generally don't have favorites i don't man i've been in this game long enough i've paid attention to the sport well long enough and for me i love everybody and i am a huge stipe fan but i'd be lying to you if i didn't say this one hurt man i love dc bro everything that he represents what he does inside outside of the cage his story there was nothing more that i wanted than him to sell off into the sunset with one, the opportunity to fight John Jones one more time, which we'll get to in a moment, but I think is dead, or him sail off in the suns defending his belt, and like he said, not going out on his back, like the majority of champions do. Unfortunately, he did. Um, yo, this this was sad for a number of reasons. Um, but let's shift for a moment and let me talk about Stipe. Holy shit. Stipe's a bad motherfucker, man. Um, without a doubt, the best heavyweight of all time. Um, goes out there and makes the adjustment after getting beat 
worse than anybody else. Here's the thing. This is something that I want to talk about this fight in general. Not just, I'm going to say it again, not just um, DC. Yo, this fight broke hella records. All right? Here, I, I, I pulled this up so you guys can see what's going on. Michik and Cormier combined for 304 significant strikes landed to set a new single fight record for a UFC title fight. Yo, these are heavyweights. These are heavyweights who were slinging in the pocket. Let me show you the numbers again, man. Significant strikes. Daniel Cormier landed 181 out of 263 significant strikes for 68%. Stipe landed over 50%, 123 for 229. And remember, the majority of those came at the very end. So that's incredible in its own right, man. Miocic came to fourth heavyweight in the UFC history to have multiple championship reigns. Miocic, five UFC title five victories are the second most heavyweight history behind Randy Couture, who had six. Miocic's 13 victories at UFC heavyweight competition are tied for fourth most in divisional history behind Andre Arlovsky at 17, Frank Mir at 16, and JDS at 15. Stipe's ninth knockout victories in UFC heavyweight competition are tied for fourth most in the division history behind JDS, Cain Velasquez, and Derek Lewis, who all are tied with 10. Stipe's stoppage victory, despite, check this out, despite a minus 58 significant strike deficit, is the second largest comeback in UFC title fight history behind Anderson Silva's win over Chael Sonnen, which was minus 160, which was at UFC 117. Holy shit. Let me say that one more time for all of us who need to put some respect on Stipe's name. This was the biggest statistical comeback in title fight, UFC title fight history against one of the greatest of all time. We're not talking about Chael Sonnen, who was incredible in his own right, but isn't one of the proverbial goats. Stipe came back the way he did against one of the fucking goats, man. Again, minus 58 significant strike deficit and came back. Um, Miocic's uh, fight night bonuses for UFC uh, heavyweight are the most in heavy in division history. Now, Daniel Cormier suffers the first um, heavyweight loss of his career, he, which, again, nothing to sneeze at, man. This is totally fine. He does not need to hang his head at all. Uh, he fell to 15-1 in the weight class. Cormier also suffers the first official KO loss of his career. He's got loss against John Jones, as we all remember, at UFC 214 was overturned to no contest because John Jones is on that shit. So, with that being said, man, holy shit, bro. You, we have to show all love and all praises to Stipe because Stipe came back and did what Stipe was. Think about a little bit the game plan, right? Because originally DC had an incredible game plan. He did. He was out there doing work. He looked incredible, looked amazing. What happened? What happened? What happened? What was the. What, what threw it off? And Daniel Cormier after the fight. What I have to thoroughly admit. 
candid. He was so candid about. He was very open. And I mean, look, man, we we got to bless and be so happy that we have DC out there, man. But especially at the time of the stoppage, because it really did look like, and like I said a little earlier, it looked like all of a sudden he slowed down and changed it. Um, one thing that he said his corner was begging for was wrestling, and he says he doesn't understand why he didn't do that. But he also said this um, in his post-fight interview. In the fourth round, he landed some good body punches. He landed that right hand that I didn't see, and he got the finish. He did a great job. What do you think made that approach so effective? Like, were you tiring at that point? Maybe that's why the body work worked so well in the fourth as opposed to maybe earlier in the fight. I kind of, I mean, I kind of took the pressure off a little bit. I don't know. I don't know why. Like, maybe try to take the, maybe try to, like, rest and recover for the fifth round because he wasn't going anywhere. I don't know what the reasoning behind it was. Um, but obviously it was a mistake. I know Joe Rogan kind of asked you about the future and stuff in the cage. Uh, that was obviously immediately in the aftermath. I know it hasn't been too long, but have you had any more time to think about your future? Uh, you know, a lot of times you base decisions and we base decisions in emotion. I don't want to be that guy, you know, so I'm going to go back and talk to Selena and talk to my my, uh, my coaches and we'll, we'll, figure, we'll figure out what, what's next. All right, so... Um, sorry about the weird feedback there, but check it out. One of the things that Daniel Cormier said was that um, at the end of the day, he doesn't know what's next. And I'm glad he said that because that kind of leads me into my next point. This sucks. And this sucks for so many different reasons. But the primary reason this sucks is because all of us, we are now going to end up being deprived of a third shot that we actually want to see. We wanted the opportunity to be able to see Daniel Cormier versus John Jones 3. And I'll be the first one to tell you, if you guys haven't figured it out already, that shit's not happening. It's not happening now. The only thing that Daniel Cormier himself says that he is willing to do is the only thing he says at this point in time is that he's willing to get back that what he deserves was his. But he feels like maybe he'll go back and try to fight for that trilogy fight with Stipe, which I think all of us could admit that I think that would actually be a better fight. For all accounts, DC was winning the majority of the round. He was missing the majority of the fight. He made a couple tactical errors, which made him lose the fight. So if they fought again, could it go the other way? Yes, but at 40 years old, by the time they fight, they'll be close to 41. Is it worth him going out there and fighting again? Especially with everything that he else has that he has going. I'm not questioning his heart. I'm not questioning his drive. I just don't know if he's willing to get up and do it again. Because at 40 years old, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I would. Shit, I'm 33. I'd be damned if you punch me in the face. So think about these things. We have to really think about it. We got to look at it. We got to look at these things and say, is Daniel Cormier going to as much as we would love? Because we would. Would we be willing to watch him go out here and do that? Um, It doesn't seem like he's open to it. It seems like if anything, he'll end up going back and trying to, let's say, maybe fight a heavyweight again. But mm. I don't know, man. I, I do not know. Um, but Stipe, yeah, we have some options, don't we? What's going to happen with Stipe? Look, 
The heavyweight division is kind of sewed up right now. Unless we bring back Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou has been on a tear. Beat Cain Velasquez. He says, look, man, beat Curtis Blades. He's earned another shot at the title. The first shot, he went five rounds. Sipe was not able to finish him. Um, he wasn't working on wrestling at all. So I would love to see a new and improved Francis Ngannou um, fighting against Stipe. I think that is an opportunity to have a huge trilogy in the future. This is the direction the heavyweight division goes. But also, this is something that was talked about in the past, and I hope that it now happens in the future. Stipe Miocic versus John Jones. Now that Daniel Cormier is removed from the conversation, I thoroughly expect John Jones to want to bump up to heavyweight. Look, man, there's really not shit there at light heavyweight. Yes, we have the Johnny Walkers. Yes, there is uh, the Dominic Reyes of the world. Yes, there are those guys there. But do we thoroughly expect them to still be there in the near future? I'm not sure. I don't know if we even care, but if we're talking about greatness and legacy, even Stipe Miocic himself says that he wants to go out there and fight legacy fights. What bigger legacy fight than going out there to the two men who have stopped Daniel Cormier in their careers to fight against each other, to see who the really baddest man on the planet is. I'm here for it. I love it. So um, now we all know how it's called. We call the heavyweight division the baddest man on the planet. But right now, let me transition a little bit. We're going to talk about the co-main event and the baddest motherfucker belt. And that's Nate Diaz defended his belt of baddest dude in the, in the sport against Anthony Showtime Pettis. Um, look, I don't think there's anything else to say about the uh, DC um, the DC uh, Stipe fight. Look, man, my heart goes out to Stipe. Um, but I'm at the same time, man, I'm so happy for my heart goes out to DC, but at the same token, I'm so happy for Stipe. Um, I think he is an amazing champion. I think he could be a champion for a while, man. So, um, Hey man, that's a sport, bro. Uh, guys that we love, uh, you know, fight guys that we love and, you know, guys and girls, we love fight each other. They take losses. And that is the beautiful thing about MMA. Everybody gets touched. No matter who you are, no matter how many friends you have, no matter how popular you are, everybody gets touched. Even if you're an old man at the bar, right, Conor McGregor fans? <laughs> All right. Speaking of Conor McGregor, yo, Nate Diaz. So Nate Diaz and Anthony Pettis fought in the co-main event, which I think a lot of people agreed that this is the people's main event. Bruh, this fight itself was incredible. Such a fun fight. Um, what was my score? We had uh, Nate Diaz winning unanimous decision, 30-27 on two cars, 29-28 on one of the cards. I also had it 30-27. This fight could have gone one of two ways. Nick Diaz coming forward, his boxing, his pressure, his pace, or Anthony Pettis leg kicks in dynamics. I thought Anthony Pettis with his activity level would continue coming forward, but I was wrong. 
I was so wrong, man. Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz, I'm sorry. Um, Representing Nick Diaz uh, MMA, uh, went out there and just put it on Anthony Pettis. Man, reminds us who he is, walks forward, and man, reminds us all how awesome of a fighter he is. Great boxing, great slipping, and he even went out there and was checking some kicks beautifully to the point because a lot of times I was wondering why Anthony Pettis didn't throw more leg kicks. Well, it seems like, and it came out after the fight, Anthony Pettis broke his foot, possibly even his ankle, in the very first round. How? Because Nate Diaz checked a leg kick beautifully from the jump. Anthony Pettis went out there, hard check. Anthony, man, always shows all the heart in the world, continues slinging. But where was this fight won? This fight was won because Nate Diaz continued pushing Anthony Pettis back on his hip and honestly was forcing Anthony Pettis to counter. Anthony was not able to intentionally get off. Nick was throwing knees to the body, knees to the head. And even in the third round, it looked like he was about to get Anthony Pettis out of there. Anthony's incredible heart kept him pushing through. But, bro, what a performance for both guys. Um, Again, I had it 30-27, Nate Diaz. And you know what I got to say, man? Nate Diaz understands the business. Nate Diaz is a needle mover. We'll talk about that in a moment. And even after the fight, who was it that Nate Diaz called out? After the fight, Nate Diaz calls out none other than Jorge Masvidal. Nate Diaz, after the fight, went out there and said, yo, I'm the, re- you know what, let me, let me see, because I got a whole bunch of stuff saved up here, but, uh, that I want to add some, some voice clips that I want to pull up, but, and unfortunately, you know how it is, man, when Nate speaks, a lot of times it is a little difficult to understand, but, okay, all in all, this is what he said, man, uh, here we go, here it is. You said he was off because everybody sucks. With this, uh, with this belt, I want to defend it against uh, Jorge Masvidal had a good last fight. So he goes out there and he calls out Jorge Masvidal. He says, Jorge has been in the game. He and I are the only ones doing it. We're the only gangsters left in the game, but he ain't no West Coast gangster, right? I love it. Oh, I love it. Nate understands the moment. Nate understands what's really good. And one thing that he also said was just like, look, man, I want fights that make sense. He wants fights that excite him. And he wants to fight against fighters that he respects. He respects Anthony Pettis. He and Anthony Pettis, after the fight, said they were good. They want to burn one up together, which I love. And now he's going after Jorge motherfucking Masvidal. I love this fight stylistically. Two guys that are going to walk forward. Two guys that are going to strike. Two very well-rounded fighters. Two OGs of the sport. I love 
every minute of it. Um, dude, what more can you ask for? This is Nate knowing who he is, and this is Nate Diaz understanding that he's actually a needle mover. And don't forget, man, not too long ago, Dana White was asked, yo, why isn't they getting love? And Dana said himself that Nate is not a needle mover. He was asked about that. And when I say a needle mover, what does that mean? Being a needle mover is somebody that, again, people want to see. Casual fans love. Guess what? Nate's made it. How does Dana feel about it? Yeah. He's a needle mover now. <laughs> Can you put your finger on what it is that moves the needle? Like, what what, it, what do you think it is that people see in him that they... Well, I think it's stuff like, I, I did the fighter meeting, and, and uh, I specifically told him not to swear on ESPN. He looked right at me and said, motherfucker, right after the... Uh, when he was doing his interview on ESPN and, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's just, it, I, I read this story. I didn't read the story. I, re, I read the headline uh, from one of the big papers that, that have written a story about this. And it said, UFC needs an anti-hero. And here he is, Nate Diaz, you know, yeah. and it's true. It's just, uh, I, <clears throat> I said it leading up to this fight. He's like, He's the guy that says fuck you to the man, but he never really says fuck you to the man. He's always, actually, every time I see him, Nate is cool. Um, but they, they, he just has this, um, yeah, it's pretty tough. So, we already said, man, Nate is a needle mover. Um, Nate is somebody whom everyone wants to see. He is that anti-establishment guy. He's the dude, like we saw in the open workout, lights up a J. You know, in the open workout, the crowd loves it. They beat he and his brother Nick beat by their own drum. And that's why they have been hardcore favorites for years. And the beautiful thing about it is now we're actually starting to see them represented on a bigger note and hopefully because of that eventually we'll end up seeing nick coming back as well man i would love it so look i got a whole bunch of nate videos coming up so uh nate did oh and speaking to nate talking about dana white in terms of being a needle mover he did say yo that's not a good business move to tell them he said he said in terms of dana white he said yo it's not a good business move to tell me i'm the shit in response to Dana White, he loves it. He also said in terms of Jorge Macedo, I'm talking about Nick Nate Diaz, you got to recognize the best in the game. You got to re recognize who is the best in, the, in this game is because it's not who they say it is. It's who I say it is. That's the best fighter to me. The best martial artist who is still on top of their game. And that's uh, Nate Diaz talking about Jorge Masvidal. Uh, he also thought about Colby Covington. Was chanting, Fuck you, Colby, and uh, giving him a hard time. He he was carrying a belt with him tonight. Would you consider fighting him at some point, who, too? Who is it? Covington? What, what weight? Uh, welterweight? I don't know who that is. So, like, if we got somebody good to fight, that's who I want to fight. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You got to do something. If you've been here for two weeks and get a little hype show, I don't give a shit. So it's great that he said that because um, Kobe Covington, Kobe Chaos, uh, quote unquote, interim champion uh, has been making noise the last couple weeks. And it shows that he is still not quite there. Uh, Nate doesn't give a damn, doesn't care about that fight regardless on the position because he doesn't really have a name. So he wants to do it, essentially kick rocks, man. Uh, I think that's hilarious. 
dude is great, man. But again, all in all, bro, we have to love Nate Diaz. He is back. He wants to fight again by the end of the year. He and Jorge gonna get paid, son. And I love it. I love it. I'm so excited for both of those gentlemen, man. But um, yo, salute to he and Anthony Pettis. They put on the show for the fans, for the crowd, for everybody else. All right. Um, speaking of having a show. In my humble opinion, the fight of the night on top of so many great fights this uh, this past weekend was Yoel, the soldier of God, Romero versus Polo Costa. This was a blatant fucking robbery, guys. Blatant. Yes, it was a close fight. Yes, I know people say it could have gone either way. But look, Yoel Romero consistently gets stuck on these BS decisions. He, in my opinion, beat Polo Costa. Polo Costa won this fight unanimous decision 29-28 on all judges scorecards. I do not see how that happens. I do not see how he has it. And here's the funny thing about it. If we go on Twitter, I have a list of at least 10 to 15 professional MMA fighters, big names in the game. Names like Chris Weidman and so on and so forth who feel the same way I do. Yoel Romero won this fight. Polo Costa, number seven, ends up um, beating uh, Yoel Romero in a back-and-forth fight, and it happened exactly the way we thought it would. We had one fight where a set of gentlemen are walking forward. Things seems to be good, right? And if I go ahead and pull the stats up and we look at significant strikes, it appears, and remember, significant strike is everything aside from a jab. Yoel Romero landed more than Polo Costa did. He landed 125 out of 284 as opposed to 118 into 213. Total strikes landed. Yoel Romero landed more total strikes. Yoel Romero had more takedowns. He had two out of four takedowns also in this fight. I do not see he had control on the bottom. It doesn't make sense. He landed the bigger shots. He should have won the fight. Now, he's 42 years old. Is his son, and this is my speculation. One, obviously, you can never leave it up to the judges because unfortunately, the judges do not know much. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. By the way, did anybody else peep Frank Trigg in, as one of the uh, refs? Uh, Frank Trigg's one of the OG uh, awesome fighters from the UFC, man. Had a couple epic matchups with Matt Hughes back in the day, but it was really, really cool seeing him being in there as one of the referees, man. And that's what we need. I think we need more um, ex-fighters being referees and judges. Look at uh, Ricardo Almeida, who was amazing in the UFC. He's now an amazing coach now. One of Frankie Edgar's coaches, one of the guys up there in New Jersey's coaches. He's awesome. We need more of those guys. We need more fighters who are still invested in the game. Um, But man, this was bad. I thought this was bad. I thought that this was a misstep by I, I really did believe that this was a misstep by um by uh the by the referees and um and again man Yoel's 42 years old why are we doing it oh my speculation 
My speculation is that, look, Brazil is hurting for a champion. Brazil used to be such a huge market for the UFC and MMA. And honestly, ever since USADA's come, not saying anybody was on it, but it seems like since USADA, the Brazilian market has kind of fizzled out a little bit. Now you got this yoked, handsome dude coming out there. And with that being said, it seems like he might be the new face of Brazilian MMA. And now he's he after the win, um, he is calling out. He probably is going to get the winner of Israel Adesanya and uh, Robert Whitaker. Interesting fights, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I think I favor either of those other guys against Polakosa at this point in time. He does. He showed some heart. He showed some durability, but he's also showed that he can get hurt, and he shows that he gets tired. A long way to go for him. He's still young um, and is still evolving in the game. Congrats to him. But come on, man. I think a lot of us believe that um, Yoel Romero truly won this fight. And man, again, he got robbed, you know, to Robert Whitaker. This is a guy who should be champ. He should be champion and he continues getting BS decisions. It seems like unless Yoel Romero completely flatlines people, they don't give him the nod. What does Yoel actually have to do? Why? Why does he have to work that hard? It doesn't make sense, man. Let's just have solid decisions, man. Let's have real decisions. And um, let's not cheat our uh, our fighters, man. But great win by Polo Costa. He will be fighting for a title very soon. All right, rest of the card, man. Uh, friend of the show and coming on soon, Sadiq Youssef wins, goes out there and gets a first round KO uh, win. Looked amazing doing it. Uh, came into a little trouble, was a little overzealous, man, but was able to bounce back and get a great win. Uh, Derek Brunson also on this card. Uh, yo, goes out here and beats Ian Hymish. I actually had him picked also to win this fight, but uh, Ian Hymish, a lot of individuals had him pegged to be the next big guy at 185. Uh, Derek Brunson is that gatekeeper, man. If you can't get through Derek Brunson, you are not in the upper echelon. He is still a bad motherfucker, man. So salute to Derek Brunson. Um, one of the other fights on the card that was on the undercard that I think a lot of people were shocked about is Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith is one of the up-and-coming prospects in the game. Got KO'd in the very first round by Common Worthy. Common Worthy uh, came in on short notice, ends up starching him four minutes and eight seconds into the very first round, man. Uh, and last but not least, um, honestly, the fight out of all of them that had a lot of title implications. So we have to say down at 135, Corey Sanhagen. Corey Sanhagen, um, the guy who looks like your, uh, <laughs> he looks like your actuary, um, goes out there and defeats the always tough Rafael Asensa. Rafael Asensa was ranked number three, and the only people who've beat Rafael Asensa are Marlon Marais, TJ Dillashaw. He goes out here and gets an easy win. And now think about this: in that weight class, number one, we have Marlon Marais, who has just lost the belt. Number two, Aljamain Sterling, who a lot of us believe should get the next crack at the shot. After that, we have Peter Yan. I think him and Corey Sanhagen would be an amazing matchup. Also, I think an amazing matchup would be um, Corey Sanhagen and Pedro Munoz. 
Um, yo, 135 is stacked right now, man. Think about it. 135 is stacked. 145 is nice. 55 best division in sport. 70 right there with it. 85 is looking nasty. 205 is starting to move around a little bit. And heavyweight is deep, man. MMA right now, especially in the UFC, is fire. Um, yo, all in all, though, bro. Great fucking card this weekend, man. Um, it really, really, really um excited me, man. It was a fun night from the prelims all the way on, man. It was a lot of fun. Um, what are my takeaways of the weekend? Um, what did we actually learn? A couple of things. We learned obviously from the jump. Steep and Miochik is a legend in the sport. If he lost this fight to Daniel Cormier, he would just be a footnote in history. Now he's not. Now he's the main feature. He has a whole chapter strictly on him. Salute to that man. Holy shit. The possibilities for the future for the heavyweight division and for Stipe are just endless, man. I can't wait to see that. Uh, Number two, Nate Diaz is finally a megastar in the UFC, not just in the UFC, not just for the cat, not just for the diehards. Nate Diaz is a legitimate, bona fide superstar. This is what we waited for. Everybody who has been Nick and Nate Diaz fans for years, everyone who's been rocking the shirts to say represent, everybody who's been out here talking about Stockton stand up, hey, everything, everything has led to this moment. All the Nick Diaz shit, all the Nate Diaz shit, all the middle fingers, all the weed smoke. We are finally here. Nate Diaz is the man. Congratulations, dude. I finally hope he gets everything he deserves, man. This is amazing. Um, what else did we learn? I also learned, yo, Nigeria might possibly be a new hotbed in MMA. Yes, Nigeria. Look, I don't know if there is an opportunity to do a main event in Lagos or some, so, something like that at some point in time. I don't know what the realm is or the 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 temperature is for MMA there. But I'm telling you one thing. Out of the four Nigerians that are currently in the UFC, we have Israel Adesanya, champion. Kamara Usman, champion. And I'm going to be able to say now, and we have Sadiq Youssef, hot prospect. And we have another German hot prospect. They're, the four Nigerians combined record currently in the UFC is 20 wins and one lonely ass loss. They're here to stay, man. It's a new hotbed. Africa is starting to come. And I'm telling you now, there are some incredible athletes that are coming out of Africa. Uh, and um, I'm here for it, man. Wakanda forever. This is incredible. Um, I love seeing it, man. All those fighters are, have such fun, such, such fun styles, man. Um, and last but very certainly not least, um, yo, the best 135 pounder in the world. No, it is not. Sandra Suhudo, no, it's not any of those guys I spoke about. In my opinion, it was always the rising and Bellator 135-pound champ, Kiori Horiguchi. And guess what? On a non-title fight, something almost like an exhibition, 
in Ryzen, he goes out and gets completely knocked out within 68 seconds of the very first round. He lost to Kai Asukawa in a non-title fight. Yo, I couldn't believe this. Yo, this threw me off. He ended up getting clipped really early on the fight, tried to survive, ended up getting dropped in the end. The ref calls the fight. Um, This stirs some things up. Granted, he doesn't lose his belt, but the the this is the only time since... Um, he lost to Demetrius Johnson in which he was finished. And this is actually the first time that he actually gets knocked out. I don't know if he was ready for the fight, but regardless, this is a huge deal in the world of MMA and cure who Gucci. If you do not understand or do not know who he is, you need to. He is a superstar. I thoroughly uh, expect him to bounce back. But man, yo, we need to open our eyes, man. U.S. MMA isn't just it. Ryzen has some monsters. One has monsters. And they're going to continue coming forward, man. So all in all, what a weekend of fights, man. Salute to everybody involved. We have, you know, the the champ. The champ coming back. Stipe Miocic doing it. We have, the you know, the underground king. The real underground king. We got the people's champion. Nate Diaz going out there doing work. The other people's champion, which I think a lot of people could agree with. Yoel Romero continues working, even though he gets robbed of fights left and right. But salute to Polo Costa. And yo, man, salute to the UFC. What an amazing fight card. Um... This was a lot of fun. I loved breaking it down. And uh, all in all, guys, thank you so much for listening, man. This is about all the time. This is all I have for today. I want to give you guys a quick weekend recap and breakdown. And uh, we'll be back later on this week. Obviously, we'll break down what's coming up. We have huge boxing fights this weekend. We have some more big MMA cards coming up as well. And we're going to try to slide some guests in here. If you have not already, check out our IGTV page. I'll be posting on that again today. We'll be doing more and more of those things, man. So keep your eyes and ears open for it. Um, But without further ado, remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 10% off your first three months. Also, follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. Check out the website at www.thefightpodcast.com. We're everywhere podcasts are available iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Um, Check us out. We're even on the website. So if you don't have any of those, go on the website. Check us out there. Love you guys as always. Thank you for listening to episode 133 of the Fight Podcast. Your boy is back. We repping episodes out. If you haven't had a chance already, again, check out our last episode. We had Brandon Camille in studio. We also have... um, online we have my cltv appearance along with so much more man thank you guys love you guys i'll catch you next time right here on fight podcast peace out